guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is so exciting because it is another interview podcast. I have not done one of these in a while, but recently I had a super cool guest reach out to me, and she's actually a registered dietitian, but she technically calls herself a non-diet dietitian. And so I just want to preface by saying if this is going to trigger you in any way, we will be talking about eating having a healthy relationship with food, and just eating disorder recovery and her work in that space. And so if that is something that is going to trigger you in a negative way, please do not listen to this podcast. I will have another one up in the next week or so that you can listen to. So I'm really, really excited for this because this is a topic that I think is so important and especially just how it relates to talking about food and social media and diet culture. Michelle Pilipich, the guest in this podcast episode, she is just really skilled in the space and is just a very pleasant person to listen to as well. She has a really nice voice, so this is also a really great one to listen to on a podcast. But I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let me know if you do, and let's just get right into it. To start, I just wanted you to explain for yourself who you are and what you do. My name is Michelle Pilipich. I'm a registered dietitian in the New York City area, usually working out of an office in New York City, currently working from home like most of the world. I see clients one-on-one and I meet with people for nutritional counseling and I specialize in eating disorders. So I mostly see clients who are working on recovery from an eating disorder or working on just improving their relationship with food through intuitive eating, health at every size, kind of moving away from diet mentality and disordered eating to more normalized. So yeah, that that's the short version of what I do. And so a couple questions that I ask pretty much everyone who comes on here. The first one is if you could go back and give yourself your 22 year old self a piece of advice, what would you say? And I'm actually not sure how old you are. So that may be not that long ago or... It feels like so long ago. I'm 28. So that was six years ago. Wow. 22. I was just finishing college. And if I could go back and give myself advice, I think I would say to just take things one day at a time. Because when I was fresh out of school or like planning to graduate, I had all of these kind of looking back crazy and unrealistic expectations for myself. And I thought, okay, I have to get a full-time job right away, connected to my major, and that's going to be my career for life. I'm just going to move up and do more impressive things, and I have to move out of my parents' house and never move home again and be financially independent. just thought like everything had to be set from the day after graduation, and that's just so unrealistic. I think I'm still, you know, trying to take that advice and just be present. So I would say just Take things one step at a time and like allow yourself to continue exploring. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like every time I ask people that, they always say that same thing. Because I think at 22, you have to have everything figured out. And it's just not the case at all. And I think that as you get older, the more you realize it takes some time to kind of figure out your life and get it together. So, and so kind of going back into college, I wanted to ask how you actually got into nutrition kind of your experience leading up to it? Because I know you have a little bit of a different background than probably other people in the field. So I'd love just to hear how you got into that. And maybe if someone was wanting to get into that field, how would you recommend them to kind of go about it? So I got into nutrition mostly after college. In college, I majored, I double majored in government and Spanish because really just because those were the classes that I liked the best in high school. So I figured I would just continue doing it. And I thought I would end up with a career sort of related to government in some sense. And I wanted to work for the UN or do something in like international policy or all these things. I 
interned on a senator's campaign and I thought that was gonna be so amazing and none of it was for me I just I didn't like any of it so <laughs> senior spring semester I took one nutrition course in college because I just needed an elective and I heard it was an EVA and I was like oh well that sounds kind of interesting so in that class we had a guest lecture from a dietitian who just talked about her career so that was the first introduction to the career and like, oh, I can do this as a job. So it was in the back of my mind from then. And then after college, when I was in these internships and not liking them, I was just thinking about, well, what am I actually interested in? And I was always reading food blogs and looking at recipes and reading nutrition articles. So I kind of go more in this direction and I had some more internships. I talked to people who are dietitians. I read a lot of blogs of people who are dietitians. I was just Googling how to become a dietitian without a bachelor's degree in nutrition, because that's where I was at. And a lot of people have done that. It's so possible. So even if you don't study nutrition, you can still have this career. And yeah, I just looked at kind of the path that other people had taken and like what, which schools I could go to, what programs I needed to do, all the logistics of things. And I went to a local community college and took all the science classes I had skipped thinking I would never need them so that I could apply to grad school and do this whole thing. So someone wanting to get into nutrition, I would say, I mean, my strategy was being literally a stalker on LinkedIn. Like whatever job I thought I wanted, I would go on LinkedIn and like find people doing that and just ask to talk to them, call people up and say like, Hey, what is your job? What do you like? What do you not like? How did you get there? What do I need to do? That kind of like informational interview. I was the queen of that right after college. I was always just talking to people about their jobs and people are a lot more open and helpful than I think you might expect. So I found that really helpful. I would recommend that. I love to pay it forward. So if anyone reaches out to me, I'm always happy to talk to them because so many people helped me in that way. And you said you call yourself like a non-diet dietitian. I saw that somewhere on like yeah. your branding. Yes. And so I'd love to hear logistically like what you do as a dietitian and then also how that relates to eating disorder recovery because I know that's a big part of your job and a lot about what you talk about online yeah. too. Yes, it is. Um, so non-diet that I don't give people prescriptive weight loss diets. You know, I'm not going to tell someone exactly what to eat. I'm never going to tell someone what not to eat. You know, there aren't really strict rules about food in, in my approach. So I work from a lens of intuitive eating and health at every size. And basically what that means, if you're not familiar with that kind of lingo is focusing more on behaviors than on outcomes such as weight. So people can be a whole range of sizes and be healthy. And so what I focus on is, are you doing healthy behaviors like eating enough, eating a wide variety of food, getting exercise in a way that's appropriate for you, sleeping enough, managing stress, hydrating, like all of these things and more the broad picture of health as opposed to just here's what to eat and what not to eat in order to micromanage your body and change your weight. That's not what I do. It's more the holistic picture and looking at your actions and are those in a complete picture, not just a food picture. And it's really important for eating disorder recovery because so many people eating disorders or disordered eating as well are really hooked on the diet rules. And like, you know, everything we hear in the media, eat this, not that, that's literally like a book or website or something. But, you know, that's always what we're told and it really sticks. So 
having this all foods fit approach, you know, I always say there's no food that's objectively good or bad. It's about your intention with the food and connection to it and why you're eating it. And it's, it's important for recovery so that people can work on that flexibility and more openness. Gotcha. And then you also mentioned how a lot of people who kind of work in that space were drawn to it because they once had an eating disorder. And so they kind of have this passion just from personal experience, but you explained how you don't have that background. So I'd love to hear why you're kind of passionate about this line of work and what it means to you working in Mm -hmm. it. Yes, there are a lot of recovered clinicians, which I think is so powerful and amazing so that people going through recovery can have that example that full recovery is possible. I never struggled with an eating disorder. I was introduced to the field really in grad school. I mean, I think I had awareness in college that it was going on amongst peers and things, but I really was drawn to it in grad school. Once I learned about the intuitive eating approach and health at every size and these mentalities that are not diet focused. And when I say diet, I mean restrictive diet, not diet in the classic definition of, you know, how we eat, that we're more focused on food rules. I knew I didn't want to practice that way. I knew I wanted to, I knew I resonated with intuitive eating and I really wanted to focus on that. It just felt so much more realistic and sustainable. Eating disorder recovery is a field that just naturally embraces that since it's people recovering from this diet mentality. So I knew it would be a space where I'd be able to really use the philosophy that I connect with. And I also really love the collaboration, being able to work with therapists and psychiatrists and doctors and have that interdisciplinary approach is just really fun for me. And then kind of on the other end, you mentioned how a lot of people think that only people with eating disorders need to see a nutritionist. But you mentioned how it's kind of beneficial for everyone to see one. And so why do you think that it could be helpful for maybe someone who doesn't have an eating disorder, but just kind of wants to just analyze like the way that they eat and kind of these other habits too? Why do you think that that person could also benefit from seeing a nutritionist? Yeah, yeah, I really think anyone can because we live in such a diet saturated world and there's so much information out there especially on social media and online and it's really hard to distinguish what's true and what's a fad or a myth so it's always important to get the science and the facts and the like individual approach from working with a dietitian and yeah there can be disordered eating or even just chronic dieting is a term you might here without a full-blown eating disorder. And the diagnosis is really not that important. Like if there is something going on, if you're thinking about food to a point where you feel like it's disrupting any part of your life, then you deserve to fix that, you know? So I think that anyone can benefit and maybe it'll be more short-term versus long-term, but just kind of checking in and seeing how things are for you is always valuable. And then kind of just on like a practical sense, what does it actually look like when you sit down with the client and walk through like maybe the first meeting you have together? Cause I've mm-hmm. always been interested in what that looks like and kind of after that first meeting, what it looks like going through the process after that. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think a lot of people wonder and What I personally do is the first session is usually getting a lot of history. So figuring out, okay, what, when did you first notice difficulty with food or negative thoughts around food popping up or having any sort of struggle if that's what you're coming in for. So going through the timeline of someone's relationship with food, talking about family history, you know, what was food like growing up and what was your access to food and how did your family eat? Does anyone else have an eating disorder, if that's what someone's coming in for. 
Um, and I also talk about other habits. So exercise, hydration, like what are all these other things and is any of it tied to food? Some people really struggle with over-exercising or all sorts of other behaviors that can be kind of manipulating food or their body. So usually the first session is me asking a million questions and getting as much information as I can and then touching on the foods. Like what are you eating in a typical day to see is this enough? Are there foods you're avoiding? Is there good variety? Like kind of general, getting the general picture to see what our goals are going to be. And so from there, it is very individual and more goal focused. So if someone comes in and they want to work on adding variety because they're very rigid with food and they only eat the same three meals every day, then we'll kind of talk about, you know, what's a food that's different that you feel comfortable with and adding that in. But it can be kind of a thousand different things because everyone is so different. So I always say I want to meet people where they're at. I never expect change overnight. I work on really small incremental goals, make the change sustainable. That's really the most important thing. And I also like to think it's fun. I think that I can be kind of funny. So <laughs> I tend to entertain most clients. And in terms of clients, this is just a personal question. I feel like in this space, a lot of times we focus on women and maybe that is true that more women do struggle with their relationship with food. But I also think it's important to touch on, it's an issue that men struggle with too. And I was just wondering from your perspective, do you think that maybe there are more men out there who are struggling with it than we may think? Because we have like this focus on women struggling with their relationship with food. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I would say, I don't know the numbers or statistics, but it definitely mm -hmm. is more prevalent in men than we think. And I would say that it's more women who actually get the help and treatment because mm -hmm. it's more acceptable, you know? So it is unfortunate, but I mean, I personally have worked with all genders, all sexual identities, all ages it's mm -hmm. it's an issue that really spans the whole spectrum of any sort of identity so yeah it's definitely important to know that it can affect all genders and that there is no specific look of an eating disorder so you know a lot of times people think oh i'm not underweight enough to get help i don't look like i'm sick and i have told people i worked for a while in a residential treatment and there are plenty of times where you could see any of those clients walking down the street and you wouldn't pinpoint them as, oh, they look like they have an eating disorder, but all of them were at a place where they deserved residential treatment and like were seeking that out and really needed that. So yeah, it's it affects everyone. And I just hope that in the future, more people will feel more comfortable getting the treatment. I kind of wanted to go into more the social media space because I know that's a big thing that you talk about specifically on your Instagram and just mm -hmm. something that I feel like I've seen being a YouTuber, seeing a lot of people do these kind of like what I eat in a day videos and very much prescribing this idea of like, I eat this way, so I look like this. And if you want to look like this, you should eat like this. And I just think it's really unhealthy. And so one thing I wanted to ask you is what are your thoughts on certain restrictive diets? So maybe something like keto, vegan, vegetarian, low carb, all those that I think are often praised on social media, but from per your perspective, what do you think about those kinds of diets? I mean, the short answer is I hate them. <laughs> well, not really. I hate, so keto comes up all the time. I feel like people are always asking me, what do you think about keto as soon as I say I'm a dietitian? And I tell people, if you go on keto long-term, well, first of all, the reason it exists is as a treatment for seizures and epilepsy. And so if someone needs it for that reason, 
great. Like it's a fantastic intervention that can work. If you're going on it because it's a trend and you want to lose weight, it's so restrictive. Like it restricts carbs to the point where you can't even have a lot of fruits and vegetables. So you're going to be vitamin and mineral deficient and you're probably going to be constipated too. And so if you want those things, then go for it. But that's definitely not my recommendation. I, and then in terms of things like vegan and vegetarian, I think intention is really important. I talk about this all the time with clients. Are you vegan because you have been for your whole life and you really care about animal welfare and like your whole family is, and that's just a passion of yours that it doesn't feel like a challenge because you are so invested in it, then that's great. And that can be totally healthy. If you're doing it because you think it's going to give you the body that you want, and that's your only motivation, then that's not going to be sustainable and it's not going to be mentally healthy for you. So there's so much nuance about a lot of those types of food choices. And that's another reason it's great to see a dietitian, um, whether you have an eating disorder or not, just to kind of talk through that stuff. Yeah, those those what I eat in a day videos also kind of bug me. And there is actually a really awesome dietitian on YouTube. I don't know if you know her. Her name is mm-hmm. Abby Sharp. And mm-hmm. she makes videos like reacting to people's what I eat in a day and giving a scientific dietitian's perspective. So those are really awesome to watch. I think I've seen she did one reacting to back in the day when Freely the Banana Girl or she just eat like 25 yes. bananas in a day. <laughs> I saw she yeah. did one for her. And I remember watching those videos when I was in high school and I think they were a big part of the reason why I started eating more like a vegetarian diet. It wasn't because I was doing it for the animals. It was because I saw these people online doing it and I thought, well, if it works for them, then it'll work for me. And so that that's why I just really think it's important for people like you to touch on, you know, the intentions why you're eating that way, because I know that a lot of, especially young women watch these videos and are probably mm-hmm. struggling with stuff related to them. And so kind of going off that, I also wanted to talk about the body positivity movement. And mm-hmm. since I asked this question, I actually did a little bit of research and I think that a lot of people think the body positivity kind of movement in itself is more so about like loving your body and loving the way you look. And I actually think there's a different route to it to where when it was started, it was supposed to be for body types that were often like marginalized. So like women of color. And so I think a lot of people see that and think that that's what body positivity is. So I think Mm -hmm. I'm talking more about body confidence in the way of people saying you need to love yourself and love your body like exactly how it is. And I remember you did an Instagram post kind of on this subject. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and kind of more of shifting to body neutrality as opposed to that and just kind of your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I did also recently learn about that kind of origin of body positivity and exactly what you said, like it's the misconception that bothers me, that like idea, whatever you want to call it, that in order to not feel negative about your body, you have to be running around loving yourself all the time, loving your physical self. You know, of course it's great to love yourself. And I think that that type of body confidence can a lot of times seem so unattainable and so unrealistic to someone who's really struggling that not motivating, you know, it, it makes it really discouraging to even work on feeling better. And so I always encourage clients to work on body neutrality, meaning the end goal is just to not think about it, you know, to like be able to go about your day and do things that you enjoy and be more invested in the activity that you're doing or the work that you're doing or your studies than you are your body. And 
you know, if I think about like milestone moments or really awesome experiences in my life, I remember those things. I don't remember like thinking about what I looked like. And that's the goal is to just, just not think about it because there are so many other things to think about. And that's what I think of as real body neutrality, just letting it be what it is and not having to have any particular emotion about it. And of course, like everyone has good days and bad days and that's normal too. So normalizing that, you know, you don't need this perfect over the top confidence as the goal. And then I also feel like as someone like you who has gone to school for nutrition, do you think that there's a danger with maybe influencers or just certain bloggers kind of claiming to be an authority on food when they don't actually know like the science behind it? As someone who went to college, what do you think about that? About Mm -hmm. people kind of prescribing like actual solutions for people's relationships with food when they haven't even like been to school for it. It's so dangerous, you know, when someone doesn't know the information and when they don't know the individual person who they're talking to because everyone is different. And I think, you know, this is kind of a a good chance to explain the difference between dietitian and nutritionist. And Mm -hmm. that's something that is really confusing to people. I always, well, and influencer is none of the above. So just don't listen if they're like, don't have either of those titles. So I explain it as like the square rectangle rule. So every dietitian is a nutritionist, but not every nutritionist is a dietitian. So if you're seeing someone who's a dietitian, they definitely have done the specific coursework that is required in school. They've done 1,200 hours of supervised training, and that's the dietetic internship, and then they have passed a national exam. So you know that you're getting that background for sure with every dietitian. And nutritionist is not a regulated title at all. So that's a lot riskier and you really have to do your research about the person. Some people are great nutritionists and they they did a whole educational program in nutrition, but just didn't do the internship or they did and they didn't take the test and they might have a lot of knowledge, but some people go online and get a certificate and call themselves a nutritionist. Or some people do nothing. Like you could call yourself a nutritionist right now and, <laughs> and yeah. just talk about food. So it's really important to do your research on the person who's giving you information. I always recommend a dietitian because you know for a fact you're getting that solid background. Of course, like with any profession, you know, there are good doctors and bad doctors, good dietitians and bad ones. So it's good to talk to the person and get to know someone. But yeah, and if someone is just a blogger telling you how they eat, then take that with a grain of salt or like a lot of grains of salt <laughs> or just because it's it at all. <laughs> I always get asked to do those what I eat in a day videos and like here and there I'll touch on things that I'm eating just because it's something fun from Trader Joe's and I'm like this is a good right. snack but I just feel so uncomfortable telling people like this is how I eat because I know there are young girls who aren't going to take that as oh that's how she eats but maybe that's not how I need to who think that like mm-hmm. oh I need to eat like that and so I just think people need to be so careful with how they speak online and I think that it's something important to talk about, but kind of going into weight loss, I wanted to touch on this because I think there's also a stigma with people wanting to lose weight in a healthy way, but kind of being played off as like, oh, you should just be positive about your body and it's fine the way it is. But maybe it's not a bad thing that some people do want to lose weight. And so I just wanted to ask you for clients that you have who are trying to lose weight, how do you go about helping them with weight loss in a way that's kind of healthier and more so talking about intuitive eating and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that shunning weight loss entirely can be kind of similar to forcing the body confidence. You know, it's normal 
because of the society we live in that people are going to want to lose weight. And so if people have that feeling or that desire, I want them to voice it to me, even though it's not something that I really advertise and do, you know, I want to know, okay, like a sticking point with what we're working on. And so if somebody comes in wanting to lose weight, really whatever they come in wanting, we kind of do the same things. And this is why I get so frustrated with the weight loss people versus the intuitive eating people, like all these camps of health, because if someone is, if a professional dietitian is working on helping someone be healthier, then we're all going to hopefully do the same thing. You know, make sure someone is eating enough, make sure they're getting enough variety, make sure they're getting balance without being overly restrictive. Like that's kind of the very, very simple version of what I'm always going to do. And I very much believe in set point weight theories. So if somebody was engaging in behaviors that were not healthy, maybe they were binging all the time and not really paying attention to any balance with their meals and they were above their set point, then yeah, when they start eating intuitively, paying attention to how their body feels and how different combinations of food affect them and like, oh, I do feel good when I have protein, carbon, fat at my meals, then they might naturally lose weight. And if someone was under eating and they were below their set point, maybe they weren't having enough throughout the day, then we're going to work on adequacy and all of those other things. And they might naturally gain weight. The weight is always the side effect of the behaviors. That's kind of my, my focus. Um, and I always want the, the mental piece of things like wanting weight or just how they feel about body image. I talk about body image probably every session with clients. And so I want that to be part of a conversation and not something feel that people feel like they can never say because I will yell at them or something. Like I'm not here to fail anybody in nutrition sessions. <laughs> something that I always heard growing up, and I saw you also had a post on this, but was people having this mindset that they can eat something that's quote like bad or unhealthy and then saying that they'll just go burn it off in exercise mm. in some way. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this kind of, oh, I'll just burn it off mentality in terms of eating unhealthy and also just a little bit more and how you said you don't like to label foods as good or bad mm -hmm. and just your thoughts on that. I tend to get a little sassy, I think, in session with clients. And if someone says they want to burn it off, I always say, I don't want to burn off my food. Like calories are energy. I need that energy to live. If I burn it off, I'm just going to lay in bed all day. Like, why would you want that? You know, if you think about what food is actually doing, it doesn't make sense. We don't want to do those things. And it's also this mentality of earning food. I hate when trainers or like people in exercise classes say like, oh, you're going to earn your dinner after this. Like, no, you need it. And I did, I think this is in another um, blog post I wrote about, do you actually need to eat less when you're less active? And the truth is no, the vast, vast majority, like 75%, maybe more of the energy that you burn is from your basal metabolic rate. And that's the amount of energy you need to lay in bed and breathe. And like, that's it. So if you think about just being alive, we need everything that we're eating. And I, I don't wanna have that mentality of having to counteract it. I wanna think of, no, this is the energy to power me through my day and to keep me alive, keep me having energy, keep me not thinking about food. Because um, thinking about food is often the first sign of hunger. So thinking about both the physical energy and the mental energy to do all I want to do in my life. I want that food for that. I don't want to be getting rid of it with exercise yeah. or any other way. And I know that a lot of my viewers right now have expressed just kind of more 
anxiety during the pandemic and everything going on. And I saw that you also had a post on this, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on the relationship with maybe being more anxious and food and kind of during this time, what do you think people need to be mindful of in order to keep a healthy relationship with food? I know you talked about sometimes Mm -hmm. people will kind of lose their hunger cues of when they need to eat. And so maybe just touch on that, just kind of help with people who are going through something like that right now. I think that's the vast majority of people who have been going through that for the past few months. A lot of people um, lose their appetite when they're stressed or anxious. And I mean, saying it's a stressful time is an understatement. We have never dealt with a pandemic before. I think that it can be helpful to really take a lot of pressure off of the food. So, you know, we have this super stressful pandemic situation and we have a diet culture ridden society. So it can be hard when you're feeling like, oh, I have to eat perfectly. I'm going to gain weight because I'm in quarantine, blah, blah, blah. Um, So just taking the pressure off and remembering you need to nourish yourself no matter what is really important. Just because you're stressed doesn't mean you all of a sudden don't need food. You still need the food. And so can you be more flexible with your meals and just think about the things that are always appealing? You know, like I I have a huge sweet tooth. I could eat something sweet probably every meal of the day and be fine. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) so maybe I'm just going to have more sweets for a while so that I'm still getting energized and still able to do things. And, you know, then you you do want to be tuning into how you feel so that you're not just like eating sweets and then crashing like, okay, maybe I'll have a muffin with some peanut butter on it to kind of balance out that blood sugar, get some protein, carbon fat, but in a simple way, like you can eat PB&J, a great meal, and just stay simple, stick to what you know you like, and try to make really easy meals if cooking on top of everything is going to be stressful. And I think another big part of the pandemic mentality is people are worried about emotional eating. And that's normal. You know, I don't think anyone can say that they never emotionally eat. Like we're humans, we're emotional, we have this relationship with food, it always happens. And so what I always say about that is eating, emotional eating isn't bad, it becomes problematic when eating is the only way you deal with your emotions. So if you're incorporating other things, like you're getting the food you need, and then you're also de-stressing through, I don't even know, like doing my, I do my nails almost every day, like doing your nails, listening to podcasts, going for walks, whatever those other healthy things are, then that's going to be great. I just think there's so much focus on eating when there's so many other things going on in the world right now that it's like, that shouldn't be the main concern. And so how does it work actually seeing a dietitian in terms of like insurance? I saw one of your posts, you said like, so-and-so insurance company is not like covering my visits or something, but I'd love to hear, say someone listens to this podcast and they're like, I'm really interested in seeing, you know, a dietitian. Is this something that you can use your insurance for or kind of like, how does that work? Yeah, you definitely can. Um, Yeah. So in New York, I'm in network with Aetna and Cigna, and then also soon to be United. Um, So that's very exciting. Yeah, there are dietitians who take insurance. So every plan is different. Some plans cover nutrition sessions, some don't, some only cover certain diagnoses. So it's important to either ask the dietitian you want to work with or call your insurance company, tell them what you're seeing, uh, what, who you're seeing and what for, and they'll be able to tell you what's covered and hopefully you can get sessions. Usually it's just a copay. Right now during the pandemic, some insurance companies are waiving copays and covering fees completely. So it's actually a good time to start. Oh, that's awesome. 
And then yeah. for you, as far as your Instagram and your blog, I'd love for you just to plug where they could find you. And you said you're in the New York area. If people like actually wanted to virtually see you, I guess. Yeah. So my website is just my name, michellepillipitch.com. And it's Michelle with two L's. And then my last name is P-I-L-L-E-P-I-C-H. It's a hard one, but <laughs> hopefully you find it. So michellepillipitch.com and then Michelle Pillipitch Nutrition on Instagram and Facebook and, and actually on YouTube. I, I, I don't have much on YouTube, but I did do a little read along of the Health at Every Size book. So if that's a new concept to you and you want to get a recap of the book I have videos on that Instagram is probably the best place to find me and yes my office is in New York City I'm currently in Jersey so if you're in that tri-state area and want to work together then you can reach out to me awesome and I'll have all of her links in the show notes too if you want to check her out in a more accessible way but thank you so much for talking with me Michelle thanks so much for having me I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I think it was a good balance of being enjoyable if you just like to hear about food and having a healthy relationship with food, but also if you're interested in working in nutrition, working in the dietitian space, I think that this one could be really, really helpful for you. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Let me know if you did. I will talk to you guys in my next episode. Bye, friends.